questions? Uh, uh, Wayne, he's got one. Uh, Pastor, uh, last week in Thessalonians I read, I have to be honest with you, through my mind I'm going, yeah. so what? And last <laughs> week I saw an answer to that. Okay. And, and Paul wrote to Thessalonians, mm-hmm. be alert. And today in Matthew I read the same thing. Mm-hmm. I see a so what that Jesus said. He says, be, be, re- be alert, be ready. And I, oh. I'm glad you wrote that on number four Yeah. about believe, obey, preach, and contend. Are you going to speak more about what... Why, so what, and what the uh, be alert and be ready involves in us? Or, or do yeah. you want to say some more this, this evening about it? Yeah, I, I'm actually going to be talking about that. I, what I'd like to do is end our whole discussion of eschatology on that very note. Because, yeah, but that's a great, that's what it's all about. It's about being ready for him and what does that entail. And, again, it's only by grace that we can be ready um, through faith. But, yeah, we'll talk about that, and it'll be just delineating more about those things. That I've highlighted, yeah, it's a good question. Um, oh, we got, oh, Mike. You said that the day of the Lord begins at the beginning of the 70th week. Yeah, that's right. That's and what I would affirm. So Antichrist is revealed before that, right? Before the 70th week? Yeah, is that right? Well, I, I would say that he is uh, just inside the 70th week. That's right. Well, Second uh, Thessalonians says the day of the Lord, uh, don't let anyone deceive you in any way, for that day will not come until... The rebellion occurs and the man of lawlessness yeah, is let revealed. Me, good. Let's let's get into that right now. I, I'm going to spend a whole whole okay. session next week that, on the, uh, Okay. okay. Well, let me I'll, let me address I'll, I'll defer to next week then. Okay, but let's I, let's. Well, I, I here, got, let me just. I got some <laughs> other stuff. We got limited time here, and I got some right. other stuff I want to get. But, but to. Mike, let me address that because I don't want people. I, I just want them to see that there's an answer to this question. In Second Thessalonians two, first of all, realize, friends, when you're dealing with Thessalonians, the issue was. The Thessalonians thought they were undergoing such persecution that they must have been within the day of the Lord. Okay? So the issue was they thought that they were in the day of the Lord already. Well, what he says is you can't be in the day of the Lord because the day of the Lord cannot happen unless what? The man of lawlessness happens, or the apostasy happens first, and the man of lawlessness is revealed. Why? Because that happens right in the beginning. Okay? Are you with me? All right, let me just turn your Bibles to 2 Thessalonians 2. It's very important that we understand what Paul is referring to as the day of the Lord and not the rapture as well. 2 Thessalonians 2, verse 1, it says, Now we request you, brethren, regard to the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our gathering together to him, that you not be quickly shaken from your composure or be disturbed either by spirit or a message or a letter as if from us to the effect that the day of the Lord has come. Okay. Now, what had happened is they had gotten letters from these teachers, whether they meant to be a false teacher or not. They thought they were in the day of the Lord. Why? Because they were undergoing such great and terrible persecution. Now, notice in verse 3 it says, Let no one in any way deceive you for it. Now, the referent of the it is not the rapture, but it's the beginning of the day of the Lord. For it will not come unless the apostasy comes first and the man of lawlessness is revealed, the son of destruction. That happens right in the beginning. So if that's in the beginning of something, you certainly can't be within that period. Because why? Well, that would have happened first. But we believe the rapture happens just before that. So remember, in both the pre-wrath position and the pre-trib position, what's interesting is that prior to the day of the Lord, the rapture happens. Okay? The only thing that we're debating about 
is when does that rapture occur and therefore the day of the Lord begin? Again, 1 Thessalonians 5.2 says the day of the Lord will happen while they're saying peace and safety. Remember, it's the beginning part of the tribulation where there's peace. Okay, in the fourth seal, a fourth of the earth dies due to warfare, famine. Can you say peace and safety then? And that's, in the, in, that's the first portion of the tribulation. Okay, now again, I'm going to clearly delineate. Um, there's no, well, I'm, I'll leave it go at that, but I'm going to get back to this issue because there's a lot of errors, in my opinion, that people have made with Second Thessalonians 2, and I'll be clarifying them next week. And it has to do with the timing of the revelation of Antichrist. And anyway, we'll get back. So what was your other question, Mike? Okay, there's, there's two problems I have with this day of the Lord beginning at the 70th week. Okay. The first one is Malachi 4.5. He says, I will send you the prophet Elijah before the great and dreadful day of the Lord. Yeah. Now, is there any indication other than Malachi 4.5 that there's going to be a prophet before the 70th week? We see two prophets in uh, Revelation 11. Some yeah. people think one of them is Elijah, but that's definitely not before the 70th week. So the day of the Lord doesn't look like it starts at the 70th week. Mm-hmm. I've got another, another one that says, um, if you go to uh, Isaiah 2. Yeah, let me, do you mind if I address the Malachi 4 or 5? Just so I, let me just get this okay. other one out right. and you, you can uh, you know, explain it. Uh, in Isaiah 2, it says, uh, Go into the rocks, hide in the ground from the dread of the Lord and the splendor of his majesty. Yeah. The eyes of the arrogant man will be humbled and the pride of men brought low. The Lord alone will be exalted in that day. Mm-hmm. And then it says the Lord has a day. And, the Lord, and then in 17, it says, Again, the Lord alone will be exalted in that day. Is that the day of the Lord? Yeah, the, the, the whole period is, yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, and then it says, men will f- flee to caves in the rocks and holes in the ground. Uh, right. And it and says that a couple times. Right. It, it exactly. sounds a lot like uh, Revelation, 6. Revelation 6. Exactly. And again, and I then, would affirm that that's all part of the day of the Lord. Okay. Yep. yep. Okay. The only problem that I have here is that it says, the Lord alone will be exalted in that day. Mm-hmm. Right? Yep. And But then if you, if you look at the um, Second Thessalonians, it says... Um, that the Antichrist at the abomination will exalt himself. Sure, that's right. And that sounds like a contradiction to me, the man of lawlessness exalting himself and receiving worship in a day when only the Lord will be exalted. Yeah, not necessarily because at the end, Antichrist is going to be destroyed and Christ will be, in fact, victorious. Let me talk about the day of the Lord. I'm going to have a whole section on that. But let me me address, first of all, the the Malachi 4.5. The way I understand the day of the Lord, friends, to work is it's, there's two different types of the day of the Lord that's being referred to in the scriptures. One is what's called the broad day of the Lord. This is a period, again, I believe that happens at the beginning of the 70th week and extends all the way through the millennial kingdom according to Second Peter chapter 3. But there's also what's called the narrow day of the Lord. It is a day, and it is the 24-hour period where God in the flesh comes and fight for, fights for Israel and let me just show you that this is alluded to often as the great and terrible day. Let me just bring your attention here to Malachi 4, 5. It says, For behold, the day is coming, burning like a furnace, and all the arrogant, and I'm starting in verse 1, um, every evildoer will be like chaff, and the day that is coming will set them ablaze, says Yahweh of hosts, so that it will leave them neither root nor branch. But for you who fear my name, the sons of righteousness will arise with healings in his wings, 
and you will go forth and skip like about like calves from the stall. You will tread down the wicked, for they will be ashes under the soles of your feet on that day which I am preparing, says Yahweh of hosts. Remember the law of Moses, my servant, even the statues and the ordinances which I commanded him at Horeb, for all Israel, behold, I am going to send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and terrible day of the Lord. Now, do you see that phrase, great and terrible day? That's exactly what Peter talks about as he references Joel chapter 2, verses 31 through 32, the great and terrible day. If you turn your Bibles to Joel chapter 2, we might as well just do that. Uh, Eric, is, yeah. is that... Uh, the day you're talking about, is this the day of the Lord par excellence that you're talking about? Yeah, and here's why it's important. Because when you get to 2.13, I'm sorry, 2.31 and to 32, the sun will be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the great. Notice the term great and awesome day of the Lord. You see that in Joel 2.31. Now skip ahead to Joel 3. It says, for behold, in those days and at that time. That's an indicator. When it says, and at that time, it's synonymous with what was just revealed prior. Now listen to what happens. It says, when I restore the fortunes of Judah and Jerusalem, I will gather all the nations and bring them down to the valley of Jehoshaphat. Well, when does that happen? That's at the Kidron Valley, more than likely, the valley of decision. It literally means Yahweh will judge. Well, that happens in Revelation 19. Uh, Christ brings the nations against Jerusalem. So whatever the day of the Lord is, this narrow day, it's, it's the same one that's being alluded to in Malachi 4.5, and it's the day that happens at the end of the 70th week when Antichrist will be destroyed. And in fact, read, um, turn your books real quick to Zechariah 14. And I'm going to show you an interesting thing here, Zechariah 14.6. This is an indication that it's going to be a 24-hour period. In that day... There will be no light. The luminaries will dwindle. Well, that can't be talking about a period. I mean, I guess it could. Maybe there's no luminaries for thousands of years. But I think it's referring, because, because listen, it goes on. It says, for it will be a unique day, which is known to Yahweh, neither day nor night, but it will come about at evening time, there will be light. That's a reference to a 24-hour period. This is the exact time that's, oh, I'm sorry, I'm out of time. Okay, I'll, I'll quit. Me, but anyway, I just want to show you that that's all connected with the day of the Lord, which happens at the end of the 70th week. Therefore, it's not in Revelation chapter 6. So, Well, yeah. let me give you something in chapter Revelation 6, which sure. also follows the sign and the sun and the moon and the stars. Yep. And that's uh, the statement in uh, 6.17, for the great day of their wrath has come. Yep, has now, come. Now, I would submit that that happens before the trumpet judgments. Would you see that? The, the, the great day has come, the, the wrath. The great day of the wrath has come. Right, and see, that's one of the points that I would make because remember the pre-wrath position that there is no wrath within the first six seals. And so that Elphon... No, 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 yeah. no they, don't, they don't say that. Well, <laughs> okay, uh, Rosenthal does, Van Campen does. Oh, the um, first six seals? Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, but they happen after the abomination. So I, w- I would... Uh, say you'd have to put this statement between the abomination and the start of the um, the seven uh, trumpets, Why? because because uh, the great day of the Lord hasn't started yet. 
You put it at the beginning of the 70th week. Sure. But I, because, sub, I submit right. it hasn't started because Antichrist is uh, exalted at the abomination. Yeah, but but it's it's temporary and he will be in fact destroyed. And so it, it's really to me a kind yeah, of yeah. But that's point. a problem for you. I, I don't think so. You don't think so? Yeah. <laughs> well, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, well, um, we'll, we'll have a whole night d- dedicated to the day of the Lord because it's a big issue. But anybody else have any? Are we completely? <laughs> Yeah. I, I was just wondering, um, you have num- number two up there. It says uh, the only way anyone can enter through the king- enter this kingdom is through faith in Jesus Christ. That's right. Um, there's got to be, I mean, there's so many people that say that they believe in Christ and they, you know, you can take a survey and... Sure. And you can say 90, 98% of the people probably say, I, I, I believe in Jesus Christ. Or, yeah. It's but a, it's not the Jesus Christ that... Sure. I, of course, I'd be affirming genuine faith in the true Christ, not a different one. Yeah. Yeah, I'm implying by that statement genuine faith, not just a, pro, uh, not just a profession but a possession, that it would be in the true Christ of the Scriptures not a different Jesus, as Paul warns about in Corinthians, that it would be, in fact, what Jesus actually accomplished. So the, the gospel, the Evangelion, focusing on who he is and what he has done. And so, in other words, it would have to be a true profession, biblically speaking, not, not a false, just a mere profession in either a false Jesus, things that he didn't do for their salvation. Any, anything affecting the gospel, of course, if someone doesn't have an understanding of the gospel... It would not be a true profession, yeah. Yep. So a genuine profession in Christ. See, I don't even know enough to ask an intelligent question, but this has no. been rumbling around in my mind. Sure. So we're talking about that great trumpet, that chauffeur, so intriguing. Yeah. Is, is that tying in at all to how all the events of the Messiah's coming and Atonement and it has tied into these feast days have been fulfilled. Does that tie into the Feast of Trumpets and how does that work? You know, I, it's a great question and I, I'm, it, it probably is. I, and I've done a lot of work in the feast, but I, I wouldn't want to say absolutely authoritatively yes. I, I, let me just say this. I don't know. I don't know for sure, but I don't think that would be a, um, an unusual guess or guess. Yeah. I mean, I think you're on the right track. Let me just say it that way, yeah. Yep, that's right. And um, that, and it's interesting, some of the feasts that haven't been fulfilled, the Feast of Tabernacles, isn't that interesting? Is because in the Millennial Kingdom, God will command all the nations to come and they must pay homage to Messiah. And if they don't, he will not send rain on their land. And so that is another feast that has not been yet completely fulfilled by Messiah. And so, yeah, these things await complete fulfillment. But yet, in some sense, Passover has been fulfilled and all these other things. So, yeah, I think that's, yeah. I wish I could give you a better answer, though, than definite, you know. So, well, thanks, everyone. And we will, oh, by the way, before I forget, we have the Passover actually coming up that, um, that Carl's going to be leading. So we have to meet next Tuesday, and from then on out, it's every Tuesday. So we're going to go, again, it'll be the second night where we're going to dig into the Millennial Kingdom, and then we will do Second Thessalonians 2, a 70th week passage, if you will. So that's what, our, uh, what we'll be dealing with next time. So thanks, everyone, for coming. <laughs>